Have you ever wanted to see a ghost? I always have, ever since I was a kid. I'd be the one checking out the dark basement when the lights went off. Not that I wanted to be scared. I've watched more horror movies through my fingers than I care to admit. But because it would prove that there was something more. Something more than just this. I have memories throughout my life, as I think we all do at some point, of looking up to the sky and asking for some sort of sign. But no sign ever came. A few years ago, I heard of people traveling down to South America to take part in ancient ceremonies that they claimed connected them to something larger than themselves. I believed them. Well, I wasn't sure if I believed them, but they believed it, and that I believed. Whether they were actually communicating with a higher power, or dreaming the whole thing up, is what I'm trying to find out as I travel to Peru to take part in multiple ayahuasca ceremonies, the Tespian ways I'm still trying to understand. Ayahuasca is a tea. It's made from a boiled combination of the Banisteropsis capi vine and the Psychotria viridis plant to create a six to eight hour psychedelic, some say transformative experience. But not all ceremonies go well. Mother Ayahuasca can sometimes show you things you don't want to see. Out of respect for the shaman, the medicine, and the people involved, recording of the sacred ceremonies was kept to a minimum. The script was compiled from writing done immediately after each of the ceremonies, trying to capture what I was experiencing at the moment. Peru. It's a busy place. Everyone's hustling. After a bumpy yet scenic van ride, our group arrive at the Arcana Spiritual Center, set between sunset-colored mountains on the banks of the Urubamba River. Through a large steel gate, we enter the property. It's nice. It has a ski lodge kind of feel to it, with large log cabins overlooking a courtyard bordered by the river on one side. The courtyard has a fire pit, a large white tent that resembles a giant Hershey's Kiss, some picnic tables, hammocks, and a walk-up bar that always has fresh fruit. I was worried it was too nice. Maybe I should have gone deeper into the jungle. But after a few ceremonies, I welcome the modest comfort of a clean, quiet room. And when I meet the folks that work here, and talk to some of the brave souls that have already been here for a week, I come to learn that this is a good place, filled with good people. The first night is just about getting to know each other, signing a few waivers, and preparing for the upcoming week. There are people here from around the globe, and from all walks of life, but they all share a common goal, and a need to travel halfway around the world in some cases, to find an alternative to modern day solutions that have let them down. Whether it's physical, emotional, or psychological, they're all looking to become better, even just a little bit. I suppose that's why I'm here too, and I look forward to testing the waters. She shows you what you need, not what you want. Day two is when the heavy lifting starts. The first order of business is to meet with the shaman, to discuss our intentions. Intentions are a big part of the process, 
It gives the shaman an area to focus on and a path for you to follow. Later in the evening is the first of three ayahuasca ceremonies. Everyone is nervous. Even the people that have already gone through it are nervous. And I feel like a kid who hasn't studied for the exam. I've never been a spiritual person. I don't believe in much more than what I can see and know to be true. There's been a lot of mental and physical preparation from these folks. And I feel ill-prepared. I meet with the two shaman, Maestro Celestina and Maestro Roberto, inside of a large white tent filled with pillows and mattresses. We discuss my intention and devise a plan on how much medicine to take and how to focus on my intention properly. A normal dose of ayahuasca is a full cup, the size of a large shot glass. They tell me tonight's mixture is really strong, so three quarters of a cup may be a good place to start. So that's what I go with. At 7 p.m., the ceremony begins. It takes place in the maloka. This particular maloka is a long rectangular room with warm wood floors, walls, and ceiling. There are 20 or so mattresses, each with blankets, pillows, and a bucket. Along one of the sides are a few musical instruments. Music is used in many ways in the ceremonies, and since they take place in total darkness, sound is the canvas that these shamans use to paint their vivid pictures. As we get ourselves settled in, rape is offered. It's a ground-up mixture of tobacco that has blown up each one of your nostrils. It's used to help you focus. It burns. Your eyes water. And it helps you focus. The cups are handed out. Some blessings are given. And with a salute from Maestro Roberto, we drink it down. The lights are shut off, and in the darkness we wait, thinking of our intentions. Twenty minutes in and I feel it start to kick. Others start to purge. The sound can be jarring, but soon becomes commonplace, and other thoughts start creeping in. Icaros are sung. It becomes hypnotic. And as the medicine takes hold, I slowly slip away. I find myself in a dark, empty space, with what looks like a thousand monitors hovering on the horizon. They move closer and I can see what's on each one. They are scenes of me, where I unintentionally hurt someone by something I did or something I said. I could see myself making a comment and not thinking much of it, but now I can see how it affected them. A female voice was trying to get my attention. Mother Ayahuasca will sometimes try to communicate with you, I'm told. As soon as I have that thought, the voice comes closer and says, You've missed your chance. Come back when you're ready. And that was it. I was back on the mattress. She shows you what you need, not what you want. At around 1.30, they light some candles and hand out some fresh fruit if you want it. Best fruit ever.
The next morning, we get ready for the Temescal. Temescal, which translates into House of Heat, is a traditional sweat lodge constructed of a wooden dome frame covered entirely with heavy blankets. A hole is dug, and hot stones are placed inside. After the smudging, a ceremonial wash of smoke, a few prayers of thanks are given, and our intentions are chosen. Intentions can be multi-layered affairs, but to sum mine up, I'd have to say, inner strength. I want more of it. The ceremony takes place in four sections, four doors, each one lasting 20 to 30 minutes, after which a few blankets are removed and the cool air returns like an old friend. More hot stones are added, they close everything back up, and we're plunged back into the darkness. Songs are sung, and intentions are humbly requested. It was during the second door that something strange happened. Something large seemed to enter the tent. By the size of it, it looked like either a jaguar or a panther. Nobody else could see it. It was walking where I knew people were sitting, without reaction. It slowly zigzagged its way towards me. I could feel its breath when it got close. I wasn't sure if it was there to harm me or protect me, or just freak me out. When the door was complete and sunshine roared in, it vanished into the ether. After it was done, talking with local guide and historian Raphael about the experience, he reached into his bag and handed me a book called The Time of the Black Jaguar. It talks about how the jaguar is steeped in the mythology of the region and can act as a protector and warn you of trouble ahead. The jaguar can also provide courage and inner strength. Inner strength. If I had known about the mythology going in, or if they had been talking about it at all, I can understand that it could have been something that my mind made up, but I hadn't done my homework, and I didn't know about it going in. And this is only Tuesday. Going into this evening ceremony, I've got a better game plan. I want to go deeper down this rabbit hole, so I'm taking a full cup this time. And if I feel like purging, I'm not holding back. Some say the purge is part of the process. Not only are you removing toxins, but also your bad mojo. We settle in again, and with a few blessings we drink. It's not long before I can feel this is different. Even though the images from the night before were vivid, I always felt somewhat planted in reality. Not anymore. After my purge, I was transported to a small city, but instead of buildings it was just large geometric shapes, with light dancing along every surface. I could experience the environment, just as you can, the one you're in right now. Each of the buildings had what I can only describe as large billboards floating in front of them. On them, the same scenes from the previous night, of me not exactly at my best. A female voice gets my attention once again, just as the billboards start to change. They're no longer scenes of me in the past, but now scenes of me in the future, around 10 to 15 years in the future, interacting with people I don't know, at least not yet. She tells me that these encounters are showing me a future where I'm more empathetic towards others and it's up to me whether or not I choose that path. 
After the ceremony, I try to sleep, but it doesn't come. Too busy trying to make sense of it all. I think I need to go deeper. After a day of rest, we have the Sapo ceremony. This is the one I've been looking forward to. I've heard claims that it connects you to the universe in a deep and profound way. Some say it's like meeting God. If that's your thing. I'm curious to see what it does to me. It contains 5-MeO-DMT, a variation of the same compound found in ayahuasca. The major difference is that instead of a 6-8 to eight hour experience, this one only lasts 20 minutes, but it's way more powerful. DMT is already in all of us. When you die, it gets released from your pineal gland. And from all accounts, this experience is similar. A bright white light. Unconditional love. They call it a rebirth, but for something to be born, something else has to die. And when I hear the screams of the person ahead of me, I start to wonder if this is such a good idea. I enter the tent and get comfortable and meet Chandra, who will be performing the ceremony. To make 5-MeO-DMT, secretions are gently squeezed from the Sonoran Desert Toad onto a plane of glass. It dries gets scraped up and smoked out of what looks like a beaker from science class with a large rubber tube sticking at the top. She instructs me to take in as much of the smoke as I can, hold it for 20 seconds, and then take little sips of air. They heat up the bottom of the beaker till it's filled with smoke. I take in as much of it as I can and start counting. And that's when it began. I was blasted out of my body towards a bright white light. The world completely disappeared. I completely disappeared. There was a deafening sound. Everything that made me me was gone. I was just pure consciousness, floating on an endless sea of light. At that moment, there wasn't a question I couldn't answer, a problem I couldn't overcome, or an amount I couldn't love. I had become infinite, connected to everything. It was overwhelming. Tears streamed down my face like a burst pipe that had been backed up for years. It was a beautiful and humbling experience. I remember coming to and thinking, okay, I've got fingers and hands and arms and so on until I felt whole again. Remember the feeling. Don't try and put it into words. Just remember the feeling, Chandra said. I tried to hold on to some of my newfound knowledge, but just like a dream, it slowly slipped away. But the feeling of connectiveness remains and still hasn't left me. The question is, what the hell do I do now? The white man's medicine makes you feel better now and worse later. The red man's medicine makes you feel worse now and better later. For the final ceremony, I want to try and go even deeper. With the Sapo experience still fresh in my mind and a new feeling of connectiveness, I wonder what tonight will bring. I opt to take more of the tea than before and take one and a half cups this time. I drink and anxiously wait. 
30 minutes in and the air gets sucked out of the room. I have to remind myself to breathe. My temperature drops and I start to purge. It's long and it's violent, but I know at some point it'll be over. Just breathe. If the first two nights brought the rain, tonight it brought the thunder. I lay my head back and find myself no longer on a mattress covered in blankets, but deep in the heart of the Amazon jungle. The environment is 100% real. I can feel the wet, cool dew off a large leaf as I run my fingers over it. I can smell the different flowers and plants. And I wasn't alone. A female form was with me, and for the next few hours, I was taken on a guided tour of the jungle. She was communicating. Now that you know you're connected, let me show you what you're connected to. And I saw it, and I was, to every living thing. Every animal, every tree, every plant, every flower, every blade of grass. The lesson as I understand it, is that we're all part of the same energy. All part of the same experience. On the same team. Completing our trio for the journey was the Black Jaguar. Sometimes walking beside me, and sometimes leading the way. It was a profound experience. I know what you're thinking, and I can't prove it either way, but I also know it doesn't matter. The results are the same. The lessons are the same. And it gave me exactly what I needed. On the last full day, we drank San Pedro, a mescaline-based cactus juice that's mild but slightly euphoric. It was like a giant exhale at the end of the week. The next morning, we say our goodbyes and go on our way, some back home and some off to other adventures. Throughout the week, I saw some amazing transformations, whether it was someone who now has a deeper connection with their family, or someone that was told they weren't going to be able to walk soon, walk up Machu Picchu after a week's worth of ceremonies, or someone that's become more confident and more comfortable in their own skin. In the days that have followed, I can't explain it, but I do feel different. I feel calmer than I ever have before, and grounded for the first time in my life. There's part of me that thinks that when I close my eyes at night, I'll wake up back on the mattress, clutching onto my trusty bucket. Even now, when I hear certain sounds that remind me of the ceremonies, I break out into a cold sweat. And my vision seems to have changed. What used to be in focus isn't in focus anymore. And what wasn't is now crystal clear. I'd like to thank everyone at Arcana, everyone that worked there, and everybody that participated in helping me get through a challenging but unforgettable week. I'll be back, I know I will, if only to dig deeper into that connection that's now been made. Special thanks to Angel Ricardo Quinones for the guitar and vocal performance used in this production. Thanks for listening.